Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for the latest Auto Retail Live briefing in association with Auto Trader. I'm Al Clark, your chairman uh, for this afternoon's conversation. September, of course, is always a lively month in retail, and this year is no exception uh, against a backdrop of ICE, as we've come to know it, electric vehicles, agency, rising interest rates. Uh, and it's not just the metal, of course, which has been traded. We've had news of the offer from Lithia for Pendragon yesterday and several others on the move in recent weeks. We certainly work in a dynamic and exciting business. But our focus of the next 40 minutes is the market for cars and vans as we come to the end of quarter three, 2023. For new cars, we're a long way off the heady days of 2016. If you remember back seven years, uh, some 450,000 new cars were registered that month. But it is the third September in a row that the market is up for cars, albeit we're recovering. For vans, September 23 will likely see the ninth consecutive month of growth. And the SMMT's latest prediction is that the new van market will be up 16% by the end of the year compared with 2022. For today's briefing, we're joined by Duncan McPhee, the Chief Operating Officer of Lucas, Mark Palmer, who is the Manufacturer and Agency Brand Director at Autotrader, and Steve Bridge, Managing Director of E-Star Truck and Van. They will be sharing thoughts and tips on the market and discussing any comments and questions you may wish to bring to the conversation today. It's really easy to do. Simply type in the dialog box uh, at the bottom of the screen, or you can tweet your question on Twitter or X uh, using the hashtag ARNLive, and our editor, Tristan Young, will see them and share them with the panel. We have around 40 minutes this afternoon, so please do send your questions earlier rather than later, or you may miss the opportunity to be part of the conversation. So let's hear from our panel uh, and see how September is shaping up. And first of all, Duncan McPhee uh, from Lookers. How is September in the showroom and online uh, in terms of the new car market? Hi, Al. Yeah, thanks for the uh, invite on the show. Um, yeah, listen, September's uh, shaping up fairly, fairly well, actually. I mean, I think it's not without its challenges for all the reasons you mentioned, but, uh, you know, new car, we've got the benefit of, of strong order banks and uh, we're seeing some freeing up of supply. So our ability to sell and deliver into the month has improved for a, a number of brands, actually. So, uh, so yeah, it's looking it's looking good. But we must remember that, you know, prior years, um, supply has been tighter. So one would expect the uh, volume to be better in any case, but no, it's shaping up well. And, and is that across the board uh, in terms of vehicles and different types of vehicles, ICV and so on? Yeah, I suppose I'm kind of generalising when I say, you know, supply is, is improving. But, um, you know, I think for the majority of brands that that is the case. There's one or two pockets where supply is, is, is still a challenge um, in the commercial vehicle market in, in, in particular. <laughs> And, and in terms of private and then business users, uh, we've seen a, overall a national picture of, of private buyers being um, sort of falling away compared to business. And are you seeing that across across your organisation? Well, I mean, listen, it's definitely definitely getting tougher. Um, and when you look at um, 
you know, the number of inquiries coming into the business, um, they, they are reduced without a shadow of a doubt. And you know, I think customers are definitely feeling the pinch of interest rates and kind of general cost of living pressures. But, um, you know, I think that just means we need to work a bit harder. We've had the, the wind in our sails for the past couple of years and maybe, maybe things have been a, a little bit easier. So I think we just need to double down on our efforts in terms of, uh, you know, working hard at the basics and making more of each and every inquiry. Steve Bridge, Managing Director of E-Star Truckerman. Welcome to the uh, Auto Retail Live September briefing. Steve, we wanted to bring vans into the conversation. Um, perhaps uh, as we start, you could just give us a, a snapshot um, of the, the market overall uh, for vans and, and then, then we'll look at September. Yeah, sure. Firstly, hello, everyone, and thanks for the opportunity um, to join you. So, so vans is... Um, is interesting really because we we measure vans in weight bands. So for the purpose of what I'll talk about, it's up to three and a half ton. So nothing above three and a half ton. The market itself up to the end of August is around 19, 20% higher or greater than it was at the same time last year, which sounds encouraging, but bearing in mind last year was pretty bad. Um, we're recovering slowly. The ability to get the product is improving. Um, but what I would say is that the market itself is roughly 80% fleet. So whether the fleet guys buy or whether the retail guys buy, um, the reality is that the influence on the market is, is, is predominantly driven by the fleet buyer. And the complexity in the van world is, is a little bit greater than that of car because those numbers um, that I gave you, are also inclusive of what we would call chassis cabs, so um, vehicle without a body on the back. And then the impact of bodybuilder delays also has an impact on the registrations that the uh, SMMT report. But generally, September is, um, is shaping up reasonably well. It's a spike month, just in the same way that March is. So if September goes well, then I think those predictions that the SMMT make will be... Um, will be reasonably reasonably accurate. Great, thank you. I mean, September is important, uh, second in theory, second biggest month uh, of the year. And one of the big challenges, um, perhaps Duncan, we will come to you first. One of the big challenges we faced over the past 18 months, two years has been supply. Um, and, and now it appears that we have elements of stock um, so there's physical um, physical vehicles on the on the ground. Um, ha have we now got to a point where we're returning to some form of normality? I think it's definitely heading heading that way. Al. You know, supply has definitely improved, as I said earlier. Um, but equally, it has come at a time where you know disposable income is is tightening up for our for our customers. Um, you know, I think for for most brands. Where we are just now, it feels like supply and demand's probably on a par. Um, you know, but I suppose looking into the future, we just need to watch that that kind of supply and, and demand imbalance and hope that um, you know there's a danger that supply could overtake demand at some point, and, and that's one that we all need to manage really, really carefully. I mean, that's bluntly what what we we the industry has managed for. 15 20 years i mean you know the the, the pre-registrations etc so i guess that uh, that has been normality we've just been in a strange situation for this post-covid era haven't we we have i think we've also seen a massive benefit to our margins because of that supply and demand imbalance and there's a fine line isn't there you know i think we all want more volume 
but we don't want the, the margin to crumble away either. So I think it's really, really important just to, you know, moving forward, manage that supply and demand uh, balance of um, yeah, the balance of it. Mark, thank, thank you, Mark. Mark Palmer, uh, manufacturer and agency brand director for Auto Trader, uh, the man with the data. So, Mark, tell us what uh, you're seeing through the numbers, um, and, and can give us that view across the market of how September is looking in terms of this balance of, of supply and demand. Uh, thanks, Al. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, lovely to be to be back with you again. Um, and thank you for the question. At, at a general level, demand, um, <clears throat> when we talk about demand, over the last few months, fleet, of course, as we know, has been healthy. We see the numbers, don't we, from, from the SMMT. Private retail, as Duncan has just talked about there, has been under a bit more pressure. And definitely, uh, for some time, actually, stock has been in free supply compared to the past few Septembers, if we go back a few years. But now, we're hearing from manufacturers that same sort of thing there is a lot more supply um, and we are seeing on auto trader we've seen increasing um, stock availability on the market where those things balance out we've got supply is a bit higher than demand at a market level um, those that that balance is, is very different to what it looked like a year ago or, or two years ago remember we had waiting times for new cars and things like that we're not seeing that that sort not hearing that sort of thing anymore and there's a bit of an imbalance there um, and there's a few I think that's at a general market level. I think what we need probably need to do is dig in a little bit more. So, so the data is telling us, um, if, for example, if we take electric, um, about 25% of the available supply on on auto trader for sale is electric. Lead share has slowed versus last summer to somewhere between 15 and 20%. It was peaking at nearly 30% last year. So there's a bit of a supply demand imbalance um, on electric, but that differs by by brand. Uh, we've seen strong performances from some brands, you know, brands like MG, others are struggling. What I would say, you can kind of tell that things are changing a little bit in the market. We've we've noticed an increase in discounts available on AutoTrader and everybody on the call will be hearing, you know, those radio ads have returned, haven't they, where, you know, 0% available on, on this one or, or low rate finance on, on this one. And we haven't seen any of that since 2020. So that's a sure sign that there's a bit more. Um, you know, tactical offers incentives back in the market. The last thing on on data um, is that over the last um, few months, actually six months, we've seen the return of nearly new stock to Auto Trader. That completely fell off after 2020 shock supply shortages, that sort of thing. That's a sign, isn't it, that, that there's some push activity. Um, that's increased. It's come from a really low base because there was nothing a couple of years ago, um, but that's 45% up year on year. Um, so these are um, those two things really, return of offers and incentives and then um, you know the emergence of more nearly new stock. Those are a sign that some manufacturers are feeling the pinch, but of course there's differences between makes and segments. But one of the things, the themes that went through there to me was money. Um, you said there are certain sectors, when you talk about EVs, there were certain brands, and MG is obviously a, a more volume brand than a premium brand in that sense, and they're at the cheaper end of the market. Is price driving um, the, if you like, the, the buyer in this market? And where is that market? Is it is it cheaper SUVs versus larger saloons? Or Forgive my bad example. No, it, it um, price driving response or sales al or I think with the manufacturers. Yeah, in terms of know, interest. If, if, yeah, in terms of interest yeah, in the, the manufacturers market. Are going what what back is it people to, are looking for? Yeah. Oh. Um, well, I mean, there are a whole load of things, aren't there? Um, I think the market is returning. 
the market in some senses is returning to what we might have you know experienced a few years ago there's more supply there's a bit less demand but of course there's been enormous changes in that time period and they're probably the, the two of them we've got um you know electric is now taking you know 17 percent of the market year to date the manufacturer supply of electric cars has increased rapidly over the last few years so suddenly there are a lot more of those types of cars in the market and we're you know, the manufacturers you can see are trying to drum up more retail demand for that stock. So that's that's one thing. Um, the, um, the, the the other the, the other thing around electric, of course, is that they've got cafe regulations targets to hit by the end of the year. They've got to get themselves ready for the you know for the ZEV mandate next year. So stimulating interest in electric cars is a thing that some manufacturers, maybe not all of them, but some of them have certainly really got to try to do. They've got more stock and they've got targets to hit. So that's that's one thing that will be driving some of that behavior. I think the other thing, of course, is that um, the price of new cars over the last few years has increased, you know, on average and segment by segment, um, you know, by a lot, actually. I think we reported at the start of the year that over the last, since 2018, the price of a new car had increased by about 30%. So lots of things have changed in the car market. You've now got more people coming back into the market who may not have bought over the last couple of years, might have been on a finance contract that's finished, and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, some of those price dynamics and availability of cars has really changed. So that is, I think, why manufacturers are starting to push a bit more into the market. Not everywhere. Um, and Duncan uh, will be able to talk to this with, with, you know, with more insight than I will, actually, I, I definitely. But that's definitely, uh, you know, an emerging theme. Some manufacturers are really starting to put their foot on the gas again. Steve, yeah, let's no. just look at, at, at vans in, in that context, because um, the market, the dynamic is slightly different. Uh, as you mentioned, 80 percent fleet. But is the stock, um, is, is the product now becoming available that's enabling you to service the market or is it still limited? Um. <laughs> It depends on the type of product. It's a complicated answer that I'm going to try and make as simple as possible. The First and foremost, if you buy in a van, it's less of an emotional purchase. I don't think many people wake up in the morning and think, you know, I'm going to buy a van, you know. What they do is they buy it because it's a business need. If they're a plumber or a carpenter, they need to, to carry their tools or their equipment. Therefore, price point is massively important. Um, because, of course, whatever cost is embedded in the the cost of the vehicle for a plumber, he has to pass on to the end user and so on and so on and so on. So cars are a little bit more emotional. Vans are a little bit more of a business need. Then when you start to get into the history of, you know, buying patterns in van, nobody has ever really had to consider taking an electric van because why would they? You know, most plumbers or carpenters would like to think that they've got the ability to drive 500 miles to the next job. But the, the reality is they're not driving 500 miles, but they think they are. So, so now all of a sudden we have to convince the operator in more of a consultative cell and ask them, you know, how many miles do you do a day? It's the same in cars, of course, but how many miles do you do a day? Do you come home at night? Can you charge your vehicle up at night? Is the charging infrastructure sufficient? And what manufacturers are doing now is they're, they're moving more production into electrified vehicle for the reasons that uh, Al was saying before, because of the targets that they need to achieve. So to actually answer the question in a roundabout way, the stock that we now have is probably skewed a little bit more towards electric 
where the real demand is still for diesel. And therefore, we have to try and educate the operator, I guess, to say, look, an electric vehicle is suitable for you. But make no mistake, in the world of commercial vehicles, the Nirvana is not electric vehicles, whatever way we look at it. Because there will be those operators that will want to carry weight. They will also then have their distance or range compromised as a result of that weight. And until such time the infrastructure becomes um, suitable for recharging, certainly at home, those operators who take the vehicle home at night are going to be a little bit compromised. So stock is available. It is coming available, but it isn't necessarily the right stock for the operator. Interesting. And interesting to hear the, the parallel and the uh, comparison uh, with the car market. Thank, thank, thank you, Steve. We are, of course, pulling away, hopefully, uh, and putting COVID into the rearview mirror um, and, and the challenges that, that that threw around. But in the car market, it was something like 2.3 million units light. Um, so there were 2.3 million cars between one and three years old that were never registered uh, because they weren't sold. So in theory, uh, used prices should all be up. Uh, but I guess it's not quite as simple as that. Mark, before we come to uh, look at Duncan and Steve's experience, what are the trends telling us here about, about used car prices? Uh, yep. So the, the top line um, is that the prices um, prices are still rising. Um, so uh, just to give you a, a little flavor of that, petrol year on year is up um, about three and a half percent. Diesel is up about two and a half percent year on year. Um, and actually, interestingly, electric is just recording its first month on month growth for a year. So, so, so since uh, August 2022, um, month on month electric uh, prices like for like have gone up um, into, into the middle of September at 0.8%. So the, um, prices are you know very, very healthy. Um, within that, a couple of other things really to call out, 10 to 15 year old cars still really, really strong um, year on year, 10.9% up. Um, I mentioned not point. Uh, sorry, I mentioned um, zero to one, nearly new cars. The, you know the return of those um, just a moment ago, um, and they're back slightly year on year, um, mainly because supply is a little bit higher than the increase in demand. Overall, though, the pricing picture is really, really positive, and we've obviously seen a lot of growth over the last few years. So that is a really strong picture. Um, on vans, um, interestingly, demand. Uh, latest data shows us that demand is up 29% year on year. Um, supply is broadly flat. So really positive again, market health and prices like for like on vans are currently just short of 2% um, up year on year. Okay, so it should be happy days. Duncan, um, what are customers looking for then uh, in the in the showroom in the used car space? If, if prices are, are up here and there indicates demand, what are they looking for? I think we probably just need to remember how our used car prices have risen in the past couple of years. And, you know, when you look at that, uh, the, the kind of incentives we put in, on new cars now, the, um, the the pricing of a monthly payment is becoming much closer. That, that gap is, is definitely narrowing. So, you know, I think with interest rate rises, the, the, the pressures on cost of living, et cetera, et cetera, you know, I think customers are looking for, looking for value. Um, and, you know, we've obviously seen the used car market soften in the past couple of months in terms of a, a book drop. Um, and I think we need to be prepared for that to that to continue. Um, and as I say, as customers um, look for value, that will put more pressure on us as retailers to offer that value. 
You're watching the Auto Retail Live business briefing for September. Uh, your, your thoughts, your comments and your questions are, of course, more than welcome. We'll be coming to those in a few minutes. If you would like to raise a point uh, or ask a question to the panel, uh, then please simply type in the question into the dialogue box below, uh, or you can use the hashtag ARN live duncan thinking then about that um that that used car market and the and the interest rate cost uh, interest rate rise which is making things a bit more expensive are customers coming in at the end of a pcp and moving into a used car to to, to maintain the monthly payment or are they able to get into uh, new cars i think so it's a mixed bag really um you know as i see as they they kind of the offering becomes more aggressive then yes i mean people have got a lot of equity in their vehicles because of those price rises over over the last but we have seen um examples of customers uh, trading down we've seen uh, examples of customers just keeping their car and, and refinancing the uh, the residual value so it, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag but generally there's a i would say customers have an appetite for change and, and what sort of we, we talked about the you know the um, pre-registration of vehicles is that a trend around a particular type of car or a section of the market you see? I think we're, we're seeing it um, in, in pockets um, you know, where OEMs have got good supply, maybe maybe chasing an improved share of the market. We're seeing it in pockets, and that's both in the premium world and the volume world. So uh, you know, it's pockets. I would say. Let's look to Vans. Steve, you hear there, obviously, the conversation, and it's reflected in Vans. Shortage of supply equals prices going up. Uh, is is that what you're seeing uh, in the showroom in the Northwest? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably worse um, in, in the van world. A lot of people are keeping their vehicles longer for reasons that are obvious. They can't necessarily get hold of a new one. The price of a new one is higher. And in the past, most people, well, not most people, but a lot of people would change at the end of a warranty period, so three years, four years, or whatever. People are starting to realize now that holding on to the vehicle is probably the best option because their only other alternative is to either wait for the supply to improve or to move to alternative fuel. And, you know, this forcing of the hand, if you will, um, has prompted a lot of people to keep hold of the cards that are in the hand. So, um, you know, if, if I could get more used vehicles, it would be much more beneficial for us as a business. But but finding the product is extremely difficult. And, and is, it, is it all vehicles or is it a particular age of vehicles that there's, there's this issue? Um. I think, it, it, you know, again, the routine or the history tells us that, you know, getting older three-year-old vehicles and spinning them and, and changing them into new or, or, or new buyers that are buying used um, has been the norm over the years. But now those three-year-old vehicles are becoming four and five. And, you know, and consequently, there's a shortage in the market. I think, you know, you can see that. I think Al was saying that the... Um, the supply of used is is sort of outstripping the demand, really. Um, we're certainly seeing that. We only operate with one manufacturer brand, um, but it is probably more polarised as a result of that. Um, yeah, as I say, if I could get hold of more used stock, it would be hugely beneficial because, again, you know, when, when manufacturers just choose to switch their production to electric, 
it really does damage the ability to continue to renew that client because the client may switch brand, he may go to somewhere where there is available um, diesel product or cheaper, let's say, diesel product. So I operate in a premium segment, and that premium segment has served us well over the years, but I suppose there's an age-old adage that nobody builds bad vans these days. So, um, you know, people are starting to look to switch. And, and is there as, as large a price differential between an ICE van and a new van as you see in the car market? Is is that a particularly big barrier? Um, just ask me the question again. Is there, is there a difference between an, an ICE van and a new van? An, an electric van. So are they are they significantly different between you know diesel and uh, battery electric, presumably? Not not necessarily in terms of the list price, but then you know we have to do a huge cost comparison in terms of total cost of ownership because you know most people when they're acquiring vans that are EV are doing them on a residual value basis because they don't want to take the risk themselves of the future value of the vehicle, because this is unknown. So provided that the um, the manufacturer who's selling the products in the first place has a reasonably positive outlook on the residual value, um, therefore in comparison to the diesel um, positive outlook on residual value, then the cost of ownership in terms of the asset is probably not that much different. However, when you then start to factor in the cost per kilowatt hour now of electricity against diesel, I think we we start to find that the um, attractiveness, if you will, um, of diesel is starting to, let's say, become more attractive again, whereas perhaps before when, when the electricity prices were cheap, um, it was more compelling to go for EV. Interesting. Duncan, take, take us through the, the car experience then in, in that sense. Obviously, um, we've seen it's a different market. It, it's, it's a private and a fleet market, whereas obviously in Steve's, in the van world, it's business. But in the, in the, in the private and the business world for electric vehicles, uh, Duncan, it's principally been a business purchase, hasn't it? Because of the huge tax advantages rather than a private uh, market. So uh, are you still buying used EVs for sale um, to private customers? Um, I think I think when it comes to used EVs, you know, we've seen EV pricing take a bit of a battering, um, you know, in, in recent months, particularly the end of last year and, and the start of this year. Um, but, you know, they, they seem to have settled down now. But, you know, I think EV values have still to find their happy place, to be honest. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot of uh, nervousness around the, the unpredictability of of EV values moving forward. You know, what what is the ultimate value of a battery in a you know four or five year old used vehicle? The impact that's got in consumer confidence. So, you know, price does definitely play its part because there is still quite a big differential between ICE and EV. And as I said earlier, I think customers are are looking for for value. So, you know, I think certainly if I look at my team, um, confidence in the used EV market is not particularly high. But in the same token, because of um, you know the impact on price over recent months, I think it does you know, present an opportunity for us moving forward. 
You're watching Auto Retail Live's business briefing uh, for September 2023. We're going to get to questions in a second, but Mark, just before uh, we do that, I have to say, uh, Duncan, that is quote of the day. Uh, electric vehicles have still to find their happy place. I'm going to put that on a post-it note and, and have that next to my yeah, computer. It's a great, great line. But Mark, um, give us a view through the data of, of, of what people buying with cash uh, are doing when they're coming to Auto Trader. What are they looking for? in electric terms oh so uh i can't tell you how they you know cash and finance i can give you a um there, there's been an sorry increase i meant in, as in, in people buy, finance. people buying buying electric vehicles cars. Sorry, i didn't mean yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no worries um so i guess the, i mean that the duncan's absolutely right of course the trend on on electric car values was um was was negative um you know prices dropping earlier on in in the year what we've seen is um and i i'm, I'm with him actually you know have, have we're often asked the question how vv prices normalized they've certainly stabilized uh so you know our latest data shows that it's a EV prices in general terms, market level are back 22% uh, year on year. But that figure actually has been pretty consistent for the last few months. The line on the chart is quite flat after a period of, um, you know, some steeper drops in the first six months of the year. So that's better news. We, we you know, we can see that su the supply demand dynamics have changed. We had oversupply at the start of the year. Um, that's now been met by more interest in used electric cars because, you know, those prices fell. And right now, demand year on year is up over 100%. Speed of sale, super important metric, is matching petrol and diesel. So, you know, when, when, when we look at, you know, the, the picture on on electric cars, we, we're we still seeing, you know, it's still a maturing market. We know that big drops of manufacturer or big drops of stock of a certain type of car um, or, or manufacturer actions like we saw earlier on in the year, they can have a bit of a distortive influence in the short and midterm. Um, so lots more, um, lots, lots more data needed to really get a picture before we know what's normal and what's not completely right. You know, the happy place is too early to tell for that market, but we are going to get there quickly. Um, there's a lot more electric car stock to come back. We've got uh, probably of all by the end of the year, we'll have about a million electric cars, battery electric cars on um, on the roads in Britain, of which about 700,000 have been registered in the last three to four years. So that shows you the the increase in in you know in in those new car registrations and obviously cars that were uh, registered in 2020, 21, and 22 are going to start to come back into the market next year and the year after. So we're going to get a lot more cars coming back in, um, and the market will need to mature pretty quickly. Thank you, and, and thanks. Apologies for my uh, confusion by describing it as cash. Uh, I didn't mean uh, pound notes going across the door. Uh, Steve, we have first of our questions. And I'm going to push it to you first, if I may, and then I'll come to Duncan for the, the car view. Does the panel expect some manufacturers to limit the supply of um, ICE vehicles next year as the ZEV mandate comes in? So, Steve, I know you said you represent one brand, which I think is Mercedes, if I'm right. Um, is it, are you seeing a restriction in supply at the moment as they're trying to get towards that ZEV mandate? Um, I think the, the short answer is yes. Um, again, it's a little bit more complicated than that because of percentage targets, etc. Um, but I think it is the thin end of the wedge. So to answer the question, I think the answer is yes. 
Yeah. And Duncan, from, from your perspective, I know you've got multi-brands um, across uh, different sectors from, from, from volume to premium, but are you starting to see that limiting of supply? I mean, you know, we're, we're mid-end of September, so you're into the backwater. Mm. Some of that stock's going to roll over to the new year. It's going to apply to, to the targets. I feel like I can repeat myself on a CBC pockets of it, but you know we, we represent thirty five brands, so you know there's, it's quite it's quite varied. Where there's some brands that are in a, a fairly good place with it, and we won't see any limiting of supply. I think we'll see other brands where um, they're not as far advanced, and we will see some uh, you know control of of, of those uh, kind of ice vehicles and whatever. So, um, but you know, in, in general terms, would I agree with Steve? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we will see more and more of it as we head towards that deadline. And, and how are you managing the customer at that point? Because yes, you've got you've got to balance you've got to balance the demand of the manufacturer who's supplying you the vehicles. You've got the customer who's looking you in the eye, and you've got a business to run. So so you know how do you juggle? How do you pat your head and rub your, rub your tummy at the same time? I think the retailer network have always been pretty good at uh, you know controlling the controllables and you know kind of selling what they can see. So you know we, we very much look for um, available stock and, and try and uh, kind of channel the customer into those um, available supply. Yeah. And um, Cliff Dowler. Hello, Cliff. Uh, nice to hear from you uh, from Remark, uh, who asks, can new and used margins be maintained uh, now that um, supply is easing and coming more available? Duncan, perhaps start with you on that one. Um, my short answer would be no. Um, I think from a, a new vehicle perspective, you know, that increase in supply is ultimately going to have an impact on margin. And it goes back to what I said earlier, you know, hopefully we will not get into a position where there's this huge oversupply that leads to a whole load of distress actions, which ultimately damages margin margin more. Um, but, you know, we are seeing a, a softening and, and hopefully uh, it, it will go no further than a softening, but it's very much down to the whole supply and demand imbalance. I think for, for used vehicles, um, you know, we have seen two kind of fairly sizable book drops over the past couple of months. Um, and as I say, a, a kind of return to normalisation. And, and ultimately, that is going to have an impact on, on margin. And I think what we have also seen is that you know, we've used, been used to this market where we've seen appreciating values. You know, it's unprecedented, really. Um, and so, you know, dare I say, the industry has become maybe a little bit sloppy at the basics in terms of, you know, your kind of, um, you know, speed to prep, speed to web, um, attractive pricing, uh, and that, that kind of um, tight control of the inventory and, and, and ageing profile of that in, inventory. And, I think that's one of the areas that we as an industry really need to obsess about and get back to the point of really tightly controlled, well-controlled stocks because, you know, book drops like we've seen do have a real impact on margin, again, like we've seen. We did. We did hear um, there were the sort of these theoretical conversations during lockdown of people saying, "Well, great, you know, we're making the margin because the supply is limited. Therefore, we're not going to go back to those days." Are, are we? Are we kind of? You know, have we got sort of um, the hangover is finished now, and we're ready to go drinking again? It, it, are the manufacturers ready to just pile the stock back in uh, and to heck with the margin, or, or, or are you seeing any memory of margin remaining and people th realizing that it's better to perhaps? retain the margin than just push the metal out? I would say we're in a place where we are in danger of heading back towards an oversupply situation. I don't think I don't think we're there 
and, and, and hopefully we, we won't get to that point because we've all seen the benefits of really controlling that, that supply and demand imbalance. Um, but, you know, equally, you know, do we as retailers want a few more vehicles to sell? Yes, we absolutely do because we have had a lack of supply over the past couple of years. So I think it's a real fine balance, but, you know, hopefully between OEMs and the, the retailer network, um, we can manage it accordingly, but uh, I do fear that it might uh, it might fall back into an oversupply uh, situation. I'm hearing the warning very politely, very politely phrased and, and very sensibly made. So, no, um, thank you. Steve, a um, question from William Tyson um, from Marshalls, who says, um, are the applicant eligibility criteria realistic for the new um, electric LCV grants for London. That is a specialist topic, and I'm going to say I don't know a lot more detail about it than that. So perhaps you can enlighten us, Steve. <laughs> well, <clears throat> it, it's a limited question. Um, I'll give you as best answer as I can. The the whole topic of grants is extremely difficult to administrate. So I think the short answer is no. Um, I think I think all of the ultra low emission zones, whether it's you know, Manchester to come, London, existing, are very difficult for operators to navigate. And it's the responsibility of the retailer like us to help them get through that. And I've been in this industry the best part of 40 years. And if it's difficult for me to navigate, it will be difficult for the plumber to navigate. So I think it is um, a short answer that it's not really sufficient to entice people to change. I think, you know, when you look at the government's um, or the or Europe, uh, I should say, their plan in terms of reducing emissions and cleaning air quality. I think um, they need to make it a whole lot easier for people to take the step from, you know, diesel van in my case to electric van, and, and the grant is one part of that. So it isn't easy. Are you seeing any change in your business as a result of, um, I mean, Euless, I of course you appreciate you're in Northwest, but Manchester's coming and there are other, as you say, low emission zones. Is that providing an opportunity with older vans that maybe you're not interested in perhaps, but vans that are no longer relevant for, say, Euless, are you seeing a market for them somewhere else or are they just disappearing? Um, yeah, there is a market for them, of course, because there are people who, you know, don't operate in those zones. So therefore, they will acquire the, the, the sort of non-compliant vehicle, if that's the right way of looking at it. But again, you know, it's coming and it has to be easier for people to, to make the step and, and, and the understanding. Um, you know, our job is to change, really, from being order takers into being more consultative sellers to teach people... I don't know, the advantages and disadvantages of the propulsion method. You know, I've said this before, the last time we had to deal with a change in fuel was in 1983, you know, when petrol vans became diesel vans almost overnight. You know, so, the, you know, 1983, a long time ago, 40 years ago, and here we are now trying to manage the change of a, a propulsion method or, or a power method um, with no infrastructure, no real idea you know even you know if you ask your average person how much they pay per kilowatt hour up until a year ago nobody would have a clue not a single person would have a clue they wouldn't it wouldn't be relevant to them now it's becoming a lot more relevant you see on motorway services now signs that say 65p for what a kilowatt hour of electricity but how far does that go in the mind of a plumber he really doesn't know 
Interesting points. You're listening to the Auto Retail Live Business Briefing for September uh, 1983. It's a good year for music, actually, Steve, as I recall, um, if not for having to deal with the transition of, of, of fuel. Uh, Mark, I'd like to hear your your reflections on on the, the thoughts of, of, of we've talked about here in the market um, uh, in terms of supply and and different people's approach to it. Are we are we seeing major trends in the way? changes in the way that people um, are buying and thinking about the different types of vehicles they buy? Or are there two worlds going on here? One, where there are regulators and governments who are trying to change things, and the other, where there are buyers who are buying what they want? They, there are major changes coming. They're coming in different at different rates, um, and, you know, they're affecting different dif- different types of businesses at, at you know different times, and actually different types of buyers at different times. So, you know, I mean, we could we could have a webinar just on this one, couldn't we? But if we look at it at the moment, you know, what what we've talked about before, for example, is we've had a, uh, you know, you talked about 2.3 million cars missing from the market. Now, inevitably, there are, um, you know, shortfalls in supply available cars for people to buy and for for retailers to sell, right? So that's that we've been in that for the last couple of years, and that's going to manifest itself in available stock for the next few years. So you know, there's going to be a real drop in three to five year old cars over the next couple of years because we're now in 2024 and not 2020 or 2021. So that's number one. We got to add to that is that more of the one to three year old stock that's coming through is is got the, a different propulsion method. It's you know, it's electric, um, as we've just talked about there. So you know of what's left more of it is different to what was going to be available what would have been available for you for your buyer and your seller in 2020 there's a compound effect isn't there that that is coming to bear so you know if you want to buy a car what's going to happen in the next one two three years is that there's going to be fewer of them to choose from of a certain age group and of what's left more of them going to be electric so there's a real a real change change there what we are measuring on the platform is um obviously interest in that in that um you know in, in those different changes and I guess, um, what does cross shopping look like? So, you know, we had, didn't we, at the start, people who were going to buy an electric car were kind of, you know, they were there, that was their thing for whatever reason. They wanted to, you know, um, go early, go green and all that sort of stuff. That has then grown out, more people with more money. We've got people coming into the market now that are thinking, oh, hold on a minute, it might do the job for me and there are savings available, but I'm not really sure because of infrastructure and all those things. But what we are seeing is an increasing number of people looking at petrol cars also considering electric and also plug-in hybrids whereas before it was kind of a straight shootout between a couple of fuel types more and more cross shopping a between um, fuel types b um, different age cohorts because of availability and so on so there is a lot more um, a lot more choices for consumers to make and there's probably a lot more for retailers to get their heads around which is making obviously um, understanding the data so much more important than it's ever been Mark, thank you. A couple more questions. Duncan, to you. This is from uh, uh, Thomas Shaw Dunn of Retain. Uh, and also, same question from Nick Golding of Autocoms. Thank you, Thomas and Nick. Uh, what is the pressure uh, like, or what is the need to upsell or sell more add-ons as margins come under pressure? Duncan. Um, I think, you know, the, the industry have generally been very good at, you know, selling finance and insurance you know i think we've got really good controls in and around that and you know i think as long as you can offer customers value for money you know, give them that peace of mind that various products give um and it's priced in a fair and transparent way then there is a real opportunity to make more out of uh, 
the, the, the insurance products that we do sell. And ultimately, that will have a positive impact on uh, on margin. But is there a is is there a much greater focus on those uh, extras and add-ons than than previously because of the the challenges to to drive more revenue? I can only speak from a personal perspective, and uh, and, and you know the, the the level of focus on insurance product sales is is the same now as it as it's as it's always been. Um, I think yeah. there is an opportunity from a finance perspective where. Um, you know, we can increase our finance penetration. Obviously, margins are coming under pressure there. So, you know, a way to mitigate some of those issues around uh, margin or to increase your finance penetration. And we're looking at ways and means to be able to do exactly that. You've been watching the Auto Retail Live business briefing. We're nearly uh, at the end of our time. But as always, we're going to ask our panel to uh, leave us with a tip uh, on action that we can take away after this webinar. I'm going to turn uh, to Steve Bridge, Managing Director of E-Star Truck and Van. Steve, it's been a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. What's the takeaway uh, for somebody working with Vans uh, this afternoon? Um, education, education, education. So I think, um, you know, I've said during the course of the discussion that Electric vehicles are not going to go away. In the car world, clearly um, tax benefit. In the commercial vehicle world, also a bit of a tax benefit, but less so. Um, it's our responsibility to teach and to be consultative in this approach so that we don't, um, in many ways, missell something to someone, um, but at the same time, teach them about all the things they need to understand. So just to change our behaviour, really. Thank you. Duncan, what's your, your takeaway uh, today? Um, my message would be in and around used cars. You know, the market is changing. Um, things are getting tougher. And so, you know, we as, a, as an industry need to have a, a vice-like grip on controlling used inventory and the ageing uh, profile of it. So, you know, it's all about turning your stock and keeping it clean. Duncan McVeigh, Chief Operating Officer of Lookers, and Mark Palmer from Auto Trader. Wise words to wrap us up today. I'll do my best. You'd expect me to say this, Al, so I will. Follow the data. The market uh, um, generally pretty stable at aggregate level, but there's loads of nuance between fuel types, age cohorts, speed of sale different from one local area to another. So as we get towards the end of September, there'll be a close. There'll be different uh, manufacturer activity. There's going to be stuff going on around, in, around the end of the year. So stock availability is going to change again, uh, and it will change quite quickly. So follow the data would be, uh, would be the thing. Mark Palmer, manufacturer and agency brand director from Auto Trader, uh, our third and final panelist uh, for today's Auto Retail Live uh, webinar in partnership with Auto Trader. Uh, thanks to Guy at the controls and to Tristan Young, editorial director of the Auto Retail Network. And thank you for joining us this afternoon for today's webinar.